All right. We thank you for your giving. We appreciate you for that. We're going to move right into the word of God this morning. Man, it's so good to see your smiling, wonderful faces, all of you. So let us grab our Bibles. This is what we do. We customarily have some type of confession to start us into getting into the word of God. So if you have your Bibles or if you just have it in your head, you can grab your head. It doesn't make a difference. But just repeat after me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, bless me with your word. If you believe it, go ahead and make some noise in this morning. Amen. All right, so we're going to get right after it. We're going to do a little bit of recap, review, just short. And so we started off um, with a sermon called Shaken Faith. We talked about how even though we are in a kingdom that is unshakable, sometimes our faith can be shaken and how God works the two together. And we gave you the idea of the snow globe, how there's certain things that remain unshaken in the snow globe and there are certain things that are shaken, but the things that should remain, remain. And so then we went into last week was I hope you dance. And we talked about how God will turn our mourning into dancing. And we took from that song of Leanne Womack that talks about I hope you dance. If you get the chance to sit it out or dance, I hope you dance. So moving from there, we're going to talk about reverse. Somebody say reverse. Let me give you a definition of reverse. There's uh, several definitions, but this is uh, the one that I chose to use. It is going in or turn toward the direction opposite to that previously stated. So if you're going in one direction, it would be going in the opposite direction. Much like when we look at repentance, true repentance is the very same thing. It is being in one direction and actually turning and going in another direction. Uh, Before I move forward, I'm going to put a picture up that many of you will understand and would you just throw this picture up a lot of you get this you 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 don't know if a christian is really a christian until you play uno with them because you find that there are some cheating christians some competitive christians (laughs) and so that reverse is something that i want to stick in your head and i i i just just go ahead and glance the picture back up one more time and what i'm going to do I'm going to do it like I did last week. I'm not going to talk about the title reverse until the end. So let me just put that mental picture in uh, your head. Uh, Actually, so on Shaking Faith, we had the snow globe picture. I hope you dance. We had the teeter-totter picture. And this is the picture I want you to keep in your head. And I'm going to pick it up back later in the sermon. I'm going to go off topic on purpose, and I'll pick it back up. But I just want you to remember that. So let's go to Psalms 137. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4. Mother Mitchell is going to help us read this morning. 
Beside the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept as we thought of Jerusalem. So we're starting this uh, verse off at the beginning of this chapter. And if you know the history of the story, this is not a joyous time. This is actually a very sorrowful, heavy time. And the reason why I'm sharing that is because that is the place that Deliverance Temple has been thrust in the last several weeks. We've been thrust into a season of sorrow. And so they said, beside the rivers of Babylon, we just sat and we wept as we fought. Uh, many times as you go through life, you, you have challenges. And then certain challenges, they affect the inner core of your being to the point that it affects your thoughts. And sometimes all you have, the only resources you have is just to weep. The Bible says Jesus wept. And sometimes we are weeping about what we're going through. And sometimes we're weeping about just thoughts. And especially when you're dealing with grief as we are, that grief often comes in waves. You can be okay for a while and there's just something will happen, a memory, a thought. And before you know it, you're in a weeping mode. And so they were weeping for a specific reason because they had been captured by Babylon. They were no longer free in Jerusalem. They were in Babylon in captivity. It had been prophesied. They didn't believe it, but here they are. And when they thought about what life was, what life could have been, what life should have been, it brought them to tears. Let's look at verse 2. This is interesting. We put away our harps hanging them on the branches of poplar trees. They set aside their gift. They set aside their harps and they just put it on the trees because we're not going to need it. I'm not going to be in mirth and joy, so I don't need the songs of Jerusalem. I don't need the praises anymore because I'm not in a praising season. I'm in a weeping season, and so I'm actually putting my praise on the shelf. Now, this is not something we should do, but if we're honest, there's certain seasons of our life that praise is hard to come by. There are hallelujah seasons, but then there are weeping seasons that I wish I could praise, but I can't. And if I'm honest, I've actually set my praise on the shelf. I've hung it, my harps on the trees because this is too difficult to keep going through. And this is so, so strenuous that I'm just in a weeping season. Let's continue to read verse three. For our captors demanded a song from us, our tormentors insisted on a joyful hymn. Sing us one of those songs of Jerusalem. So uh, another version says, sing us one of those songs of Zion. It's interesting when you look at the commentary on this, they're not sure if the captors were just making fun of them or if the captors actually wanted them to sing one of those praise songs. They, they weren't sure which it was, but either way, they were being demanded to sing, but they had no songs left. The, the slaves, years ago, they had what they called Negro spirituals. And they sang, but they didn't sing from their joy. They sang out of their pain. And it would be like the slave masters demand, hey, sing us one of them songs. But you don't understand, I'm not singing because I'm happy. One songwriter says, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. 
His eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. But that's not the kind of song that they had. I'm not singing because I'm happy. I'm singing because I'm broken. But now I can't even sing anymore. And here you are demanding a song in a time where I don't have any songs left. Don't have any praise left. Don't have any joy left. And let's look at verse 4. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Here's a question they came with. How can we sing when we're in such a strange land? If, if I was in a normal place without all of this loss, maybe I could sing. But how do you expect me to sing in the current state that I'm in, with the pressure that I'm under, with the pain that I'm in, with all the hurt that I have, with the grief I'm under, with the unimaginable thoughts that are going through my mind, how can I sing? Even if I wanted to sing, the question is, how do I sing in such a strange land? How do I sing in the midst of the pandemic? How do I sing when I've lost loved ones? How do I sing when I lost my job? How do I sing when my child doesn't understand their sexual orientation? How do I sing when I'm broke? How do I sing when I'm depressed? How do I sing when I'm anxious? And here's what I want to add to you to give you some help. Let me put this up and here's my first point. I don't know how. Y'all thought I was going to give you something deeper than that. But here's the truth. I don't know. I don't know how you do it. Some of the things that you face, I don't know how you get up and face again. Of course, I know God. But if I'm just thinking normal, I really don't know how. But I have a suggestion. Here's my suggestion. I don't know how, but here's my suggestion. Put up the suggestion. I encourage you, sing anyway. I can't tell you how you're going to do it, but I've got a suggestion, sing anyhow. Sing anyway. In other words, I'm encouraging you, just like I did at the end of last sermon, I encourage you to run anyway. And now I'm encouraging you to sing anyway. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm encouraging you, if you can find something, sing anyway. In other words, praise anyway. It may not be the praise that you had when you were on the mountaintop. Mountaintop praise and valley praise are not the same, but praise anyway. Do, do whatever you can so you don't lose yourself. Because if you're not careful, what you are faced will overwhelm you. You'll drown in it. So try anyway. Hope anyway. Sing anyway. Praise anyway. How? I don't know. But I'm suggesting you do it anyway. Let, let me give you an, a, a definition. This will help us a little bit. There's a definition of anyway. It's used to indicate that something happened or will happen in spite of something else. Anyway means that I'm not denying one thing, but I'm going to do the other thing anyway. In spite of the grief, I'm going to praise anyway. 
In spite of the pain, I'm going to pray anyway. In spite of the confusion, I'm going to come to church anyway. And so what that is, you're doing many things by faith because it's not as if one thing changes in order for you to break, embrace the other. In other words, if God removes one thing, it's easy to do the other because the problem is removed. But sometimes you've got to do one when your problem is still there. The spouse is still acting up, but I've got to move forward anyhow. My, my friend still left me, but I've got to move forward anyhow. If you wait until one situation changes, you may never get there. Because sometimes things don't change before you do something else. So you have to make up in your mind, I'm going to do it anyway. In spite of one thing, I'm going to choose something else. Here's something else I'm going to let me add to you. Smile anyway. It doesn't change the fact that you're in pain. Sometimes you're physically in pain. Your body's in pain. But you put a smile on your face anyway. Many times you mothers have done this. You're, you're hurting, but you don't want your children to see you're hurting. So even though you're hurting, you smile anyway because I don't want them to know how bad it hurts. And so even though I'm hurting and I can't change the hurt, I'm going to choose to smile anyway. I'm going to sing anyway. I'm going to hope anyway. I'm going to believe anyway. I'm going to thank God anyway. I'm going to worship anyway. And here's what happens to people on the outside of the church. They assume because we're doing one thing, everything is all together in our life. They, they look at us and they say, well, I would praise like them if my life was like them. But they don't really know what our life is like. But we're choosing in spite of Hallelujah. choosing something else. Let, let me give you another definition because in spite of is actually a phrase, a clause we use. It's the same word as despite and in spite of mean the same thing. But let me give you a definition of that phrase in spite of. It says this, without being affected by the particular factor mentioned. I, I, I'm going to change it just a little bit. I'm going to use the word altered. I'm not going to allow one thing to alter another thing. In other words, my destination is the same. And so I won't allow what I'm currently faced with to alter my destination. Give you a clear example of that. That's what we call backsliding. Sometimes you get hit with so much, you just choose, I can't do this, and you start sliding back. But disciplined Christian says, I'm going to keep moving forward, even though I'm dealing with this, I won't let this alter my ultimate destination. Yeah. Let me give you another example that will help you understand this. So I was traveling from Indianapolis home. I can't remember what I was doing. I think I was working over at Indianapolis, and as I was coming up, uh, I had passed uh, Nestle Corporation, and I was coming up close to the Delville exit, and then my tire uh, ruptured, and I had to pull over to the side of the road. And then I coasted to get down to Delville. I had to call the tow truck and tow me. And guess what? What was a 45-minute trip took me over four hours. But finally, I made it home. 
But one thing that didn't happen, even though it did happen that my tire was ruptured, it cost me extra money, it wasted my time, I was alone, I was waiting on the tow truck, and it's amazing when you call the tow truck and they say we'll be there in 15 minutes, that's a 15 minute lie. It, that 15 turned into 20, we're turned into hours, and I'm just sitting there waiting. But one thing I noticed that my address never changed. I still live where I live, and I still ended up where I was. It, it's not like because I was on the side of the road that my house picked up and moved. I'm still going to get to the same destination I'm just delayed right now. And what the devil will try to tell you, he'll try to tell you that your destination is not what it is. You still belong to heaven. You still belong to God. You still are a child of the living God. There is no delay that can deny who you are. So don't let the delay alter your final destination. And that's what the devil wants. He wants you to get rid of it so you no longer have a home in heaven. But your home is secure. Don't allow what you're going through to alter your home. Your address is your address. God has a home for you in heaven. It belongs to you. So I encourage you to hold on. I encourage you not to quit. I encourage you not to backslide. I encourage you not to fold. I encourage you not to fall. Because one thing the devil can't do, he can't change the price that was already paid for you. Over 2,000 years ago, he hung, bled, and died for you. Don't quit. Don't give up. I can't answer the how, but I can encourage you to do some things anyhow. Anyway, all right, let's let, let's move a little further. Let's, let's go to Psalms 41 through 3 in the New Living Translation. That kind of gives you the context of where we're headed. Verse 1, Psalms 40, verse 1, this is the New Living Translation. It says this. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. There, there, there's a key word in there and it's a third word it is actually second and third words I waited patiently for the Lord to help me so what that means is that there are times that God knows you need help but still allows you to wait because it's something that patience does in the waiting process now, he's God. He can snap his finger and change everything like that, but you would never learn the lessons that you need to learn. So David says how things turn is I waited patiently. And so sometimes the Bible says through faith and patience, we possess the promise. We want to go from faith to promise, but that's not how life works. It's faith there's enemy, it's setbacks, it's trouble, and sometimes it's promise. But in order to get to the promise, you got to learn how to wait patiently. So I'm encouraging you that some of you who are waiting, I'm encouraging you to keep on waiting. Let me go back to the story that I had when I was waiting on the tow truck. I got tired of waiting, but if I was going to get where I wanted to go, guess what I need to do? Keep on waiting. It was frustrating but one thing, it didn't make sense for me to stop waiting 
because I needed the tow truck to get where I was going to go. And I'm not the smartest man in the world, but I was smart enough not to get up and start walking home because my legs was not ready for that. So guess what I did? I waited. But while I was waiting, I was waiting at a gas station in this car that needed to be picked up. But when I looked over across the street, I realized there's white castles across the street. There was King Yeros across the street. I figured I might as well wait, but I might as well eat while I wait. So I walked across the street and I started eating. I started taking time. I started answering emails. I started making the most of my time while I was waiting. I was still waiting, but I made the most of my wait. Sometimes the best way you can wait is say, God, I love you anyhow. God, I praise you anyhow. I don't understand this, but I might as well eat. How do you eat? You find 66 books of recipes and you eat from the word of God while you wait. Because help is on the way, but it's not coming right away, but it's on the way. Somebody say help is on the way. It's on the way. And so you just got to wait it out. Let's go back to the, the scripture. Let's go to verse 2. He lifted me out of the pit of despair. Hold on. He did what? He lifted me out of the pit of despair. Now, now how would you know he could pull you out of a pit if you never got in a pit? How would you know he could overcome despair if you never got in despair? We don't ever want to go through hard times, but sometimes hard times proves how good our God is. David said he lifted me out of the pit of despair. Let's go back to the verse and read some more. Out of the mud and the mire, he set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. So that also means that David beforehand was on shakier ground. And so in order for him to understand the gratitude between shaky ground and firm ground, God had to allow him to sink a little bit. Reminds me of Peter who stepped out of the water and was walking on the water with Jesus. But the beauty of the story is not just that he walked, is that when he sunk, that Jesus was close enough to pull him up and to help him walk again. I like to always walk, but sometimes my greatest lessons were learned when I was sinking because I found out there was a God that loves me not just when I'm walking. He loves me also when I'm sinking and he's strong enough to pick me up even when I'm sinking. Sometimes I'm sinking in my stinking thinking, but God is still able to grab me and lift me up. All right, let's look at verse three. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. All right, so this is bigger than me. And so the reason why I should sing anyway is because he's going to give me a new song. But the reason why he's going to give me a new song according to the scripture is so that many will see what he's done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Sometimes you don't know it, but you are the best commercial for God 
by what you're going through. Because people are watching you, and when you don't fold, it makes people trust the God that you're trusting. And so you should sing anyway because God will give you a new song to sing while you're patiently waiting so he can do what he needs to do, not just for you, so that people around you can see the God that you serve and trust the God that you serve. And it happens a lot of times in our families. We have family members who it would be nice if we witnessed to them that they would change based on our witness. Sometimes they don't change based on our witness. They change when they look at what we've gone through. And they look at us and say there's no way they should still be smiling. They should still be singing. There's no way he should still be preaching. There's no way she should still be praising. There's no way they should still be giving to the church. There's no way they should still be serving others. I wonder what makes them do what they do. And then it dawns on them, this has to be God. This is the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in our eyes. And maybe I'm going to let down my addiction and trust the God that they're trusting. So you're the biggest billboard for God when you allow God to take you through and to bring you out. So, I am saying that there is a song coming. There's a new song coming. So, the question is, when? I got an answer for you. Here's another answer for you. Go ahead and put this up. I don't know when. Somebody's saying, Pastor, if you don't know how and you don't know when, what good are you to me? I don't know, but... Since I'm your pastor, I'm the best you got. I don't know when. I don't know how. But I believe help is still on the way. So I'm giving you the best that I can. Because if I knew, I wouldn't need God if I knew. If you knew, you wouldn't need God. If you knew how and you knew when, some things are reserved outside of our pea brain understanding. As, as strong as our minds are, there's some stuff we just can't figure out. And it forces us to trust and hope in God alone. Now, many of us, we hope in God and MSNBC. We hope in God and CNE. We hope in God and the Democrats. We hope in God and the Republicans. We hope in God in General Motors. We hope in God in IU Health. But sometimes you get in a situation where all your crutches are gone and you've got nothing but God to lean on. And I found out when God is all you got, you'll learn that God is all you need. So I can't tell you how and I can't tell you when. But I can promise you, God is all you need. Let me, let me, let me, let me put this up as we, we move. Put this point up. When is always more hopeful than if. I don't know when, but I am saying there is a when coming, and when is always more hopeful then if, all right, let, let, let me, let me, you can come off of that for a second. Let me uh, throw this out there. If I told you 
when I get a thousand dollars, I'm gonna give you five hundred of it. That sounds hey, that sounds pretty good. If I say if I get a thousand and I'm gonna give you five hundred, that sounds good too. But the if only shows a possibility. If I say when, that means there actually is some date somewhere. And when it happens, I'm going to give you half. When is much better than if. All right, let's go, let's go back to the point. When is always more hopeful than if. If leaves questions, but when is a promise. Let's go to Psalms 126. Verse 1. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Hold on. It doesn't say if the Lord turned the captivity of Zion. It says when. So that means that there actually was a scheduled date of deliverance even though they didn't know when. It was scheduled by somebody else. See, my, my, my car has what they call certain service dates that things are supposed to happen at a certain time. Even, even on my digital dashboard, it'll tell me when it's time to get an oil change. Now, you say you're a man. You should know about oil changes, but I'm not that kind of man. I don't know, I don't know when until it tells me when. But when it tells me when, it also lets me know that there is a protracted amount of time that is actually scheduled. So what I want you to understand, in the wisdom of God, there are some wins scheduled for you before the problem ever showed up. There is deliverance scheduled for you before the problem ever came. So it's not a matter of if, it's only a matter of when. And so when, let's go back to that verse 1, I'm going to read it again. Psalms 26, 1, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. I need to promise this to somebody. Some of you are going to get your dreaming back. See, like they did, like they put their harps on the tree or put their praise on the shelf, many of us have put our dreams on the shelf because we've had so many disappointments back to back that when it comes time to dream, we just can't dream anymore. More. Somebody said a dream deferred makes the heart sick. But I'm here to let you know it's time to dream again. Because there is some wins when the dream is going to come true. Now, I don't know the win, but I know the one who knows the win. So I want you to trust and believe again. Or let me go back to what I said before. I want you to do some stuff anyway because there is a win that I don't know that God knows. And I want you to believe again for the win. I want to go to verse 2. Read verse 2. Then was our mouth filled with laughter. I'm going to stop you right there. It was a when and a then. See, sometimes we are discouraged because all we have are tears. But you might be in a season of sorrow. But when your when comes, there also is a then. When that happened, then our mouth was filled with laughter. So that means that crying is not your last state. 
or let me say it to you this way. Sorrow is not your final state. It might be your present state, but it's not your final state. Because when God does what he says he's going to do, it'll change what you feel. So you've got to hold on for your wind because when your wind comes, there's a then that comes. And then your mouth will be filled with laughter. Let's go back to that verse again. Verse 2. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. Uh-oh, so now it's a change. The Lord has done great things. Let's look at verse 3. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Let me pause there just for a second. Now, of course, we should be glad by faith. We should be glad because of Calvary's cross. Uh, just because of what God has already done, you should automatically be glad, but we're human. And sometimes because we're human, what we go through robs us of our gladness momentarily. And basically what we've been through the last several years, it's amazing that we're still here. We've been hit with so many things, so much loss, so much tragic loss, so much tragedy. The fact that we are even here still gathering is a miracle. But the scripture says that the Lord has done great things for us whereof we are glad. In other words, that I'm human and I try to praise by faith. I tried to sing anyway, but there's some stuff that I'm not going to be able to sing until God shows up and does what he's yes, going to do. Yes. And so the writer says, when the Lord did the great thing, I got glad all over again. And for the people who are struggling in the season of sadness, I'm trying to let you know that God is so fair and so just. He will allow you to go through a season of sadness, but he will give you a season of gladness. And when you get the season of gladness, you cannot act like God hasn't showed up for you. So if you're crying now, you need to show enough be praising then. What I don't like is people who get the gladness and they act like God owed them something. Oh, God, you don't owe me a thing. But God, if you do come through for me, I'm going to tell it on the rooftops. I'm going to tell it in my neighborhood. I'm going to tell it through the pulpit. I'm going to tell it on Facebook. I'm going to tell it because, God, you made me glad. And every now and then you'll find people in church and you'll look at them and be like, what's wrong with you? I'm on chaplaincy committee at work, and I got a chance to go with the regional chaplains and then the national chaplains. And there's this one chaplain that was just a little bit out there. This chaplain, when she sees me, she would call out my name and just start singing. Any praise, she said, hey, Andre, and just start singing a praise. We were in a hotel and so she saw me in a hotel and she just starts singing this praise. And I, I, I know how she is. And so it didn't bother me. But other people were looking at her kind of weird because she wasn't a quiet praiser. She was a loud praiser. But we were not in a church setting. We were in a conference with the hotel and she's in the middle of the halls singing praises 
to the top of her voice. And she's calling my name out. I'm like, don't say my name. I, don't, I love you, but I'm not trying to be associated. But when I heard her story, she talked about how she got strung out on crack cocaine and lost everything she had and was doing things unimaginable to chase her next hide. And somehow God stepped in and turned her around. And now she's a chaplain in front of people. And she said, I can't keep quiet because you don't know how far I've come from you. You don't know how bad it was. You, you don't know how low I was. So now that I'm glad, I can't help but be glad because my story is so deep. Hallelujah. I can't even correctly say it from the mic what she went through because it's so graphic and so gory and now she is something else and so what I'm trying to say I can't stand a person who comes from the lows of the lows and gets put on the highs and then they don't say nothing about their God no baby I can't keep quiet this is the Lord's doing I would have lost my mind if it wasn't for the hand of God I would have went crazy if it wasn't for the hand of God if it wasn't for the peace of God and the joy of God I can't be quiet he's been too good to me I set my heart on the side I was ready to walk away but God rescued me he turned me around he set my feet on solid ground I can't help but to say thank you God thank you God you did it for me, God. Should have lost my mind. Saints, I didn't know how I was going to come back and preach to you every Sunday without seeing my daddy praising and, and throwing his fist up in the air. I didn't know how I was going to do it. But I've been able to do it every single Sunday. I can't keep quiet. God's been too good to me. He's made me glad. Made me glad. We used to sing a song that said, He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. And some of y'all, y'all haven't got to your glad moment yet. You haven't got to your glad season yet. You haven't found the man of your dreams yet. You haven't found the woman of your dreams yet. You haven't found your hopes yet. But just keep on holding on. And not if God does it, but when God does it, I want you to praise him like you've never praised him before. Because he has made you glad. Let's, let's, let's go just a little bit further. Verse 4, read verse 4. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Let's look at that in the New Living Translation. Read it in the New Living Translation. Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Restore our fortunes. Go ahead and put that picture back up. Now I'm coming back to what I told you about. The title of this message is Reverse. 
And so what happens when you're playing Uno is the cards are going in one direction, but when you hit reverse, it's got to go back in the opposite direction. And yes, sadness keeps coming towards your hand, and there's nothing you can do about it. You've been drawing four of sadness. You've been drawing four of loneliness. You've been drawing four of pain, but you got a reverse card. And next time they try to drop something on you, you can say reverse. I need to go back in the opposite direction. I need you to reverse my fortunes. I need you to reverse my pain. I need you to reverse my sorrow. I need you to reverse my sickness. And guess what? Here's the thing. If it was up to you, you couldn't do it. But God is saying, I'm not leaving it up to you. Satan has done dealt enough. He done done enough. And I'm stepping in and I'm reversing. And have you ever laid down a reverse and a person laid down another reverse, put it back on you? That's what the devil's been doing. But we got the last reverse and we're reversing it and it's turning around in our favor. It may not look like it now. It may not feel like it now. It may not seem like it now. But some stuff is reversing in our favor because of the Lord. Psalms 126 and 5. And here's the thing I want to leave you on. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Saints, we done cried until we can cry no more. We talked about at the beginning of the sermon how they wept. But they that sow in tears will reap in joy. Your tears are not just empty tears. Your tears are seeds for your future. And yes, we've had to cry through some rough stuff. Yes, we've had to cry through some horrible things. But those same tears are going to turn into our joy. Mark my words, not because they're my words, because they're his words. Because remember, I told you, I don't know. So this is not me saying it. This is God saying it. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Let's look at verse 6. And I, I, I heard my sister say, count it all joy. So count it joy because it's going to turn. Let's look at verse 6. It says this. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. This is not a word we say that often. Uh, now, doubtless. But it's a word that can be translated without doubt. In other words, I can say it like the old Cajun man used to say it. I think he was talking about ruffled chips. I can guarantee that God getting ready to turn some stuff in your face without a doubt. Not because it's my words, because it's his words. He that goeth forth weeping, she that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed. What is the precious seed? Your tears the precious sheep. We're not talking about any tears. We're talking about the tears of anyway tears. When you've been crying, but you've been serving anyway. your, Your child is not doing right. And you're helping somebody else's child. Those tears, those those strenuous tears, God said those are seeds. And you're going to, without a doubt, coming back with the harvest. I want to put it up in the New Living Translation. And this is the final verse in the New Living Translation. Read that. They weep as they go to plant their seed, 
but they sing as they return with the harvest. All right, remember as we started, the question was how can we sing in this strange land? But the psalmist just said, when they go with those tears as seeds, when they come back with the harvest, they come back singing. I can't help but sing. I can't help but say amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Um, um, he touched me. And oh, with joy that flooded my soul. Something happened. And now I know he touched me and made me whole. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. What I'm trying to tell you is the songs that are just in hymn books, they're going to mean more to you in your heart because your harvest is going to be there and you're not going to help be able to help but sing. You might sing in the grocery store. You might sing cutting your grass. You might sing walking the track. You might sing in the mall. You might sing on your job. But when the harvest come, it's going to come with singing. So I can now answer the question, how can we sing? We can sing when the harvest shows up. Hallelujah. We can sing when he reverses our fortunes. We can sing when God makes the devil pay for everything he tried to do yeah. to us. If you believe it, somebody shout amen. 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 Come on, let's stand to our feet this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Now, to my sons, I told them that I was going to try to be done preaching by 1230. I beat it by eight minutes. Amen. But there wasn't a whole lot to say. Just to know God is going to reverse in our favor. All right, let's bow our heads. We're going to pray. Deliver a simple closing prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father God, we understand that this is prophetic, prophetic. We understand we are still walking through a journey of grief. We're still walking through things. But God, you are promising us that these tears are not empty tears. That you are reversing things in our favor, not just for us, so that others can trust the God that we serve. So God, bring us out, bring us through and we will come out singing, we'll come out praising, we'll come out believing. We're going to sing anyway. We're going to hope anyway. We're going to praise anyway because you're going to reverse it anyway. And for that, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And let everybody shout, amen. God bless you. Have a great, marvelous, and wonderful week. We love you dearly. Amen.